0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to So Get This, a Supernatural podcast. A podcast where I, your host, Emily, talk my ass off about Supernatural. (laughs) Welcome back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the big blue house. Jumping right into it. Today's episode is season one, episode seven. Yes, seven. (laughs) I almost said six. Hookman. Hookman. Usually when I find time to watch an episode and when I find time to record an episode are like different days because that's just how it lines up usually, like when it's convenient because it's, you know, over an hour out of my time for probably both because I have to pause it a couple times, you know, so it's, it, t- but today's is different is the point of this. Uh, I watched it this morning, so now it's like a lot fresher in my memory and hopefully there won't be as many times during the episode where I'm like, I think this happened. And I wish I watched on the DVD, because now I'm seeing it's next to the episode, there's a pair of scissors, which means that there's an unaired or extended scene on the episode, and now I really wish I I watched it with that, because I'd like to know what that is. I don't remember what it is. It's been so long since I've watched the DVDs that I'm like, I don't remember what the deleted scenes are. So anyway, Hookman, it aired October 25th, 2005. It was written by John Chabon and directed by David Jackson. And the episode description on the DVD says in a quiet Iowa I'm trying to I'm trying to hold this DVD box so steady cuz if you've heard pe- previous episodes, you know that it just falls apart every time I breathe. So I'm trying to hold it steady but also like trying to read it at the same time but also trying not to hit the mic. So this is like an issue. I should just start writing them down. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, so the episode description, it says in a quiet Iowa college town, a minister prays to protect his parish parishioners children. I've never heard that word before, but another minister, a two century old madman with a hook for a hand wants them terrified, slashed and dead. See, maybe it's because I've seen the episode like a million times and I knew that it was that the whole thing was connected to Laurie and not her father. I feel like the description is like so misleading and makes us think that like the whole episode it it makes it sound like the whole episode you're thinking of the reverend, but he doesn't have that many lines in it. I feel like from the get-go you're supposed to see the connection to her and not him really. I feel like if they showed more like ominous scenes of him like looking at looking off or something or like had like weird music when he said something you know what i mean like i feel like to throw us off and make us think that it's him but, like, you don't think about it, or at least I don't think about it, until they said, oh, it's the reverend, it's connected to the reverend. But maybe that's just because I've seen this too many times to see it any other way. So that's the DVD description. The Netflix one, however, the Netflix description says, In a small town in Iowa, Sam and Dean encounter the infamous hook man, a spirit who kills his victims with a shiny hook that serves as his hand. Okay. It's not that different. I guess I feel like the DVD description focuses more on like who done it, you know, not the hook man but like human who done it and I feel like the Netflix description kind of I feel like it really uh, hones in on the the hook part though a little bit. <laughs> a little too much for my taste. I feel like I'm always going to have a problem with the Netflix descriptions though for some reason. Yeah, so right off the bat we go into the episode and it starts at the Theta Sorority in Eastern, at Eastern Iowa University, which I read on, I, one of, I think it was on the IMDb Trivia page, that it's actually, that it says this, here, let me read it. It says, the show calls it Eastern Iowa University, but in reality, it is Eastern Iowa Community College located in Davenport, Iowa. That's interesting. Okay, so it opens up on like a sorority house. And I remember right before I saw this episode, I was told this Hookman story in like a spooky story form. And it was told by so- the person who was telling it was basing it off of the episode. And like, I know that it, it is like an actual like urban legend stuff, the Hookman and everything. I think it was like the spring that I like started watching the show. Like, the, the person who like introduced me to the show, she, we were. Out at night in her neighborhood, and we were like sitting on like a bench in the dark, and she started telling me like this whole hookman story, and like my like eight nine year old ass was like, oh shit, is riveting. (laughs) But um, yeah, the way she told it, it like included the the part with the soror where her roommate sorority sister where she's like killed and stuff, so wild. I don't I don't remember the whole thing. I just remember that was in it, and the whole like, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light thing, like. Anyways, getting ahead of ourselves. So right off the bat, we got these these opposite girls, Lori and Taylor. Laurie's getting ready for a date and she comes out in like this button-down like church girl shirt and like I'm I'm in no position to judge anybody's fashion sense, but it was just it, it they make such like a stark contrast to like what she's wearing and what her roommates wearing, like to the extreme. And she's like, "What do you think of this?" <laughs> And like her roommates in there and I, I kind of miss this era of like the, the mini skirts and the halter tops and stuff like that. Like when I was a kid and this was like the style, I, this this is what I assumed would still be the style when I got older. So I was like, Oh, mini skirts and halter tops. Like that's what I'm in for. But it, it doesn't really look like that anymore. (laughs) So needless to say, Taylor, her roommate is like, oh, no girl. No. And she gets her like a lacy halter top and she's like, this is great. But somehow even wearing like the new shirt, she still has like the Martha Stewart vibe that she was talking about and like love that for her. But I feel like that's kind of like a testament to the actress too, like to be able to, because that was the point of it. She is like a, a little church girl. That's what she's playing. And the fact that the shirt didn't like transform her into like a new woman, like is like, pretty cool. I just looked at my window and this rain is about to go hard. Like all of a sudden I, it just got really dark and I turned around and I was like, "Whoa." So then Lori goes to leave for her date with the stupid fucking frat guy. <laughs> and and uh and Taylor goes, "Don't do anything I wouldn't do." And she says, "There's nothing you wouldn't do." And I used to I used to love that. I used to think that was so funny cuz she's like, hmm, "True." There's something about them being like polar opposites and still like being so close. That's like, it's heartwarming. I like it. (laughs) Like you wouldn't think that the two of them would get along, especially like given what we know about her, like stances on morality in the future of the episode. (laughs) Um, so then we don't even get her getting in the car with him. All we see in the next shot is him pulling up under this creaky old bridge. He's trash canceled guys. That's so, that's so dumb. Also, that like the minute he pulled up under there, it immediately became the start to an SVU episode. Especially since they started at like the sorority house, like this feels like this is a little Hudson University vibe going on. Her dad also calls while she's in the car about to make out with this dude, and you know we love the flip phone rip the flip phone rest in peace you know we miss her so then they start like making out she's like because he's like oh we'll get to the party and she's like "Mm, okay and she's a little weary of it and then he starts pushing his hand like in like the strap of her halter top and she goes no and then he goes back and does it again and he goes and but when he goes back to do he goes he goes it's okay what what does that mean, it's okay? If she literally just said no, like, <laughs> that's fucking stupid. Honestly, that frat boy had it coming, but you didn't hear from me. So then, uh, while they're making out, the hook man arrives and scratches on the sign, the nine-mile road sign or whatever, and then he starts scratching on the car, and, you know, frat dude gets out, and he, and he takes a look around, and he's like, there's no one here. Uh. <laughs> and so... She stays in the car and then the boyfriend, dis- the boyfriend, the frat boy disappears and there's still the scratching and whatever. And she's screaming, she's scared, whatever. And then she hears scratching on, on the hood of the car, on the roof of the car. And she gets out and she goes to run away, like just get out of there. And she turns back and sees him hanging from either the bridge or from the tree. He's hanging from something suspended upside down. Dead, deceased, and bleeding. And she screams naturally, <laughs> supernaturally. God, I fucking hate myself. But honestly, good looking out on the Hookman's part. He smelled his trash ass from a mile away. He knew. Hookman said he's canceled. <laughs> so we cut to the Supernatural logo, a classic. And then we get Sam. Little, little babies. Sam is baby. My God, they're so young in this. And I. I I got to mention it every fucking episode, though, because it always baffles me. Because literally, like, it's not that they're old now, but it's just so weird because they're, like, grown. Because, <laughs> like, it's literally, like, this was, like, 15, almost 15 years ago. Like, that, that's fucked up. So Sam's on a payphone, and he's saying some shit, and then he looks super annoyed love sassy sam and he goes to sit back down next to dean next to the table with gwyneth paltrow at it i rewound it it doesn't look like it when she's like facing the camera like head on but when she turns to the side and like smiles it is 100 percent gwyneth paltrow in my eyes so sam goes to the table and dean's like oh your latte's here whatever the fuck and he makes fun of him and so sam drinks lattes and then also still has his punk-ass laptop stickers. (laughs) I think it's funny that Sam drinks lattes, because whenever I think of lattes, I think of Cheaper by the Dozen, when the kids knock, like, the latte out of the rich kid's hand, and he's like, my latte! And, uh, Jared Pellecki was also in that movie, and I think he was, like, a douche, but regardless, (laughs) I think that's funny. Ooh, and Dean's collar is popped. It's on and poppin'. (laughs) It's just, it's a whole different person at this point. Like, I feel like nowadays Dean is like a lot more grumpy. He still has like the charm and everything, but like, he's, he's a little grumpier. And here he's just like this like fresh young man. So Sam tells him that, uh, cause he was, he was using the payphone to check databases and shit for, uh, John's plates and, uh, information on like a John Doe anywhere or whatever. And, Dean's like, I don't think dad wants to be found. And honestly, until this point, I forgot they were fucking looking for John, honestly. (laughs) Like, the show becomes so much more. And like, we all know I'm not John's biggest fan. So I completely forgot for the past like couple episodes that John was who they were even trying to find. Like, that's the reason for the show. You know, dad's on a hunting trip and he hasn't been home in a few days. (laughs) Dean slides on the laptop to show sam an article or whatever because he's clearly not super interested in looking for john which is funny that sam's like getting really irritated not being able to find john because that's the reason for like their road trip or whatever and they just hunt along the way but dean who's like dad's soldier or whatever and he and he's the one who got sam from school to go find john he's the first one to be like "Eh, he doesn't want to be found Anyways, here's a new case that I found. I just find that interesting, and I think that he really just wanted Sam back in his life because we all know he missed him, especially after our last episode when he was like, you got to leave and have a life. Oh, speaking of last episode, I have since found out that the, the devastating, traumatizing dog movie that I was talking about was called Eight Below. I said something about it not being... I was like, oh, not that Disney movie, Snow Dogs. I found out that Eight Below is a Disney movie, and I think that's so fucked up. How... We literally watched dogs get murdered in that movie, and that's a kid's movie? Fucked up. I actually, while I was looking it up, I ended up finding a video of one of the dogs dying, and then, like, the other dogs laying on it, and, like, (laughs) it was really upsetting. I didn't have to click the video, but I did. The thumbnail just looks so sad, I I needed to cry over it for a minute. But anyways, Dean slides the laptop over to Sam, and you could see behind the article, you could see, um... Sam's background and they kept it consistent because I think in like one of the first episodes, I want to say the first, but I could be wrong about that. We see Sam's laptop and we see the background, and everything. Actually, I think it was the second episode, and uh, and I think I made fun of it or some some stupid shit because that's just me. Uh, but it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the same background, so that's consistency. Love that for them. So he shows him the article which is titled like "Mysterious Death of." frat brother or something like that and like why do I feel like that's a headline I've heard before like in real life not even just in the show it's because it's like oh mysteriously died a a drunken frat brother mysteriously died oh my god oh my god (laughs) did y'all hear that fucking thunder (laughs) I just like shit myself anyways another thing I thought was interesting because you know I love to nitpick on this show for no reason at all uh the article titles like on the side of the of the article itself I thought some of them were kind of interesting public told to be alert not panic that's so vague but like wow (laughs) her impact (laughs) impose progressive taxes on private transport question mark police campaign to target unruly pedestrians what are unruly pedestrians like just walking in the street, and the police are like, We've had enough. <laughs> get these out of here. Poorly lit areas are prone to crime. Now I don't drive, but every time I'm in a car with my dad, he's like, We need to park under a light. It's not safe without a light over you. So, you know, I get it. No picnic, but a school that's lots of fun. What does that mean? <laughs> Environmentalists, I middle class in recycling drive. They're like, We see you. We got our eye on you. <laughs> So, of course, Sam's, like, skeptical about it. He's like, this doesn't sound like our thing at all. It just sounds like a murder. Even though in the article, like, it specifically states that the girl, Lori, which they redacted her name from it, they they said that she, she's no help, basically, because because all she said was, like... I, the attacker was invisible. I didn't see shit. I ain't see shit. <laughs> She's covering for somebody. Sam's like, oh, what if it's not our kind of case or whatever? And and Dean says, but what if it is? And honestly, that's like the basis of all their cases, but they're always right. I'd love to see a, a really a dumb filler episode where it ends up that they're not right. And the episode is just them being trying to find things wrong with the case, but it's really just like a regular like human thing going on. I say I'd love to see that, but we don't have time for filler episodes in season 15, guys. Please don't do that. I'd read a fan fiction on that, though. Mm, I would. There probably are some. Now would be a good time to tell you to link it my way. My Twitter is at (laughs) sogetthispod. Tweet me all your fanfics. These in-between scenes of just, like, the car driving around and the music blaring, like, my dad used to live for that. Like, when he... The random times he would watch it, like, in the earlier seasons with us, he would... He'd be watching, he'd be interested, and then these parts would come up and he'd like start like nodding and he's like, wow, great song, man. This is great. Love that. I think my favorite thing from this fucking episode has to be <laughs> when they pull up at the frat house and there's a frat guy outside <laughs> eating a banana while fixing his car. I fucking lost it. I was like, what is he doing? And like his outfit, he's wearing like, I don't even know how to describe what he's wearing. Somewhat of a tracksuit, but not really. Like, it almost looks like a varsity jacket, but, like, not. I I don't know how to explain it. It's a strange outfit, and he's a strange man. He's a mystery man. I don't know who the fuck this is, but it was so weird. He literally has, like, a screwdriver in the car, and he's just chomping on a banana at the same time. So, they pull up, and Sam's like, oh, why are we here again? And... Dean's like, the victim lived here. And like, <laughs> fucking duh. Like, what did he think that like Dean wanted to join a frat? Like, why else would they be there? <laughs> the whole headline says frat guy was killed for being the college boy, smart boy, Sammy. It just, just put two and two together. I mean, <laughs> so they get out and approach a uh, banana guy and his, and another guy, I guess. I don't know. And the way Dean like, checks out the car. Like he checks out the car like it's like a woman standing in front of him and I'm not gonna lie, it's kinda hot. <laughs> Next, he he says something like nice car or whatever, but like the look on his face, it's like, wow, this is uh He's like the guy he's like the guy on my strange addiction that like fucks his car or something. That's fucked up. <laughs> Anyways, my lights are literally flickering right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my god, my fucking Wi Fi just went out. <laughs> the lights are still flickering. I'm Upset. So they ask who they are, and, and Dean says that they're uh transfer frat brothers from Ohio. And honestly, I'm fucking done. The fact that they could, that they're young enough to pass as frats is so cool. Like now they would literally, like, they have so many options in the first, like, couple seasons. And it's, I never really realized how that was. But now in, like, the new seasons, just FBI is, like, the automatic, like, disguise they have. Because, what are they gonna do? 40 year old men being like, yeah, we're your frat brothers. <laughs> What's up, dude? So they go upstairs to the guy that's like painting his body purple or whatever. And, uh, oh my god, it's the girl from Willy Wonka. <laughs> and he asks Sam to paint his back or whatever the fuck. And, you know, they start like talking to him. And they're like, oh, we heard uh, one of your buddies just died. And he. And he was like, yeah, Rich was a good guy. And like, hmm, I don't know, bud. This whole, this whole frat scene literally feels like an SVU episode where they're like, he's a, he's a great guy or whatever. I don't know what he could have done wrong. And like, <laughs> dude's like a literal like rapist. Not that Rich is, but like he gave me predatory vibes and I'm not into it. So then he, he tells them about uh, the girlfriend Lori that he was with. Girlfriend, I I think it was just a date. I don't think they were together or anything. He tells them about Lori and how she's the reverend's daughter or whatever, even though her name was redacted. I don't think you're really allowed to like tell people who it was. Then again, they talk about it when they visit the church. Like, he's the reverend says it out loud, like at the sermon. Is sermon the right word? At the mass in his speech, he tells the people of the church, He's like, Oh, he I believe he died protecting my daughter, so we know it's out there it just they just didn't want in the news or whatever so then sam and dean find her church and uh the minute he walks in sam and laurie are like making eyes at each other in god's home under his roof they're making like eyes and uh they sit in the back and listen in on the uh the reverend talking about the frat guy that died and everything and how like hearts go out to their families whatever thoughts and prayers and honestly even though they're undercover as like frat guys it's still like really strange to me like because it's a small town in Iowa. So, them coming in their like grungy outfits in the back of a church while they're talking about the death of a guy who has an unknown killer, I feel like that puts them as suspects. But it seems like no one else really thinks that way. Like, occasionally the sheriff suspects them in certain parts, but he mostly just thinks that they're like troublemakers. Like, he just wants them out. But I don't know. I feel like the scene of them walking to the church in the middle of it, like just sitting in the back creepily, I feel like so there's something about that. But Lori didn't see it that way. <laughs> so Lori's sitting up front with her roommate friend Taylor. and who is so supportive? She clearly not clearly because you can anybody can go to church. You know, it's not a specific type of person, but she the way she was like acting in the church, like subtle cues made it seem like she's not like a churchgoer. Like she was kind of like looking to Lori to see what to do and stuff next um which I noticed because that's what I do when I go to church with people. <laughs> but like how supportive is that? Like that she went to church with her. It wasn't even like a funeral. It was just like a church service to like talk about him and stuff and like she just she was there support. She's a supportive friend. I love her. <laughs> and even though, like, she tries to get her, like, when they go outside, she's like, come on, come to the party, we're gonna do tequila shots, and even though, like, she tries to get her to do tequila shots, like, she has good intentions and seems, like, so sweet with her. Yeah, so they introduce themselves to Lori, and, like, I still just can't believe they're college-aged, or at least, like, look like it, we know Sam is. Did Sam graduate? Did he get, because I know he was looking, he was getting interviews at law schools. Did he finish up his credits at Stanford? is he a technical college graduate? Maybe not. <laughs> so while they're talking to Lori, um, the camera that's on Sam and Dean is like a little fuzzy and it kind of reminded me like the first season of Drag Race, which they refer to as like the Vaseline film or something like that cuz like it just it's so like fuzzy. I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> but that's what it looked like every time they were showing them in that conversation. Uh, Not on her, though. That's how I knew it wasn't me, because usually it's my glasses. I'm like, oh, this is so fuzzy. This this quality is awful. And then I clean my glasses. I'm like, oh, I'm the awful quality. My bad. And then, like, right off the bat, Sam is, like, relatable. And he talks so sweet with Lori about, like, how he also saw someone get hurt, like, her. And, like, he's reaching out and shit. And we love shared trauma and then the reverend comes up and like they all like meet and introduce themselves and he says because they said they're looking for like a new church or whatever and he's like oh i love young people who are open to the lord's message and honestly boy they have they don't even have any idea what's to come in regards to the lord's message it's so strange like the random bits of like religion talk we get in this show and then like the onslaught of like angels that come into play and then heaven and then uh this entire last season is based on something that god did so it's just wild the turn it takes the show and but it still has like the supernatural feel it's still like lore and everything but like with more biblical assets assets or aspects (laughs) so they leave and uh they're at the library and Sam's talking about how he believes her and Dean just mostly just thinks he's hot he thinks he's hot thinks she's hot and the fact that they're even in a library like really dates this like not only because like it's partially because not a whole lot of people go to libraries nowadays I feel like I could be wrong but I feel like libraries are kind of phasing out not necessarily in a good way but they are kind of with the age of like technology kind of taking over but also because all the research that they need now apart from like public records and stuff which they still actually don't even need to go anywhere for usually they have the bunker now and they have all this like information on supernatural stuff in the bunker from from the men of letters is this spoilers i don't know you probably won't even remember this because probably won't, if this doesn't make sense to you, you won't remember it by the time it comes around. Yeah, so they have like all the information and resources they need like right in front of them, and then Sam's so computer, computer, computer savvy like. And he, I think, even, like, gets into, like, hacking things a little bit better than, like, more and more each season, I feel like. Uh, Obviously, Charlie is queen hacker, if you know who that is. But, yeah, so Sam could literally, like, get into any database he wants to. They- looking for John would be too easy now. (laughs) If he went missing nowadays, forget it. But, yeah, so they're in a library, and they start to talk about uh, how the case and Lori's story and everything relates to, like, certain lore. And um, we get to see them, like, put it together. Like, I love- I love it when they, like, piece everything together, like, what the monster is, like, right before our eyes. Like, Sam says the scratching and bloody body suspended, and Dean's like, wait a minute. And then they just, like, finish each other's sentences and fill us in on the lore, like, as they go along. Go along, And they say that every urban legend has a source uh, and a place where, like, it all began, which feels a lot like Bloody Mary all over again, because, again, they're taking something that was, like, already like a legend and like making a story out of it. I I love that about early episodes. I feel like that's more common early on, like where they take things like that. So they figure out that like Hookman is a spirit and that's why he it was an invisible man and not an actual fleshy Hookman. The invisible madman. Does anyone else remember that? That's scooby-doo i almost said that's supernatural that's scooby-doo episode with simple plan so then they um they do another old-timey thing and they have the librarian give them boxes of arrest records going back to 1851 and dean literally blows dust off of it it's so fucking dramatic and it's so weird because like i feel like now they could probably just google the arrest records and get them up like on like a public website this is how you spent four good years of your life huh welcome to higher education And like the look that Dean gives him too, like he's like, sis. So then after we don't get like a montage of it, but like we basically do. It's like where they fade into, you see them start on the books and they fade, you fade into them looking like more tired and like with 10 books open or 10 paper, like a million papers out. You know what I mean? And we get a, uh, check this out. Not quite a, so get this, but take what we can get guys. Actually, I think we get one closer to it. So he says, check this out, and tells him that a preacher was arrested in, I think it was 1862, I could be wrong, uh, for murdering 13 prostitutes because he was angry. He was so angry over the red light district in the town. Fucked up. <laughs> and he said some were killed, like, in their beds and stuff, and but also some were hung from trees as, like, a warning against sins of the flesh and that's so fucked up. This is where it, like, was solid that this is definitely, like, an SVU episode of some sorts. So while they're reading the papers, Dean says... Get this, the murder weapon? And I think Sam says it later on, but, like, Dean is really coming for Sam's brand right now. Like, he just walked in and snatched it right out. <laughs> he should get sued for that. It's, like, Paris Hilton's that That's Hot, how, like, she trademarked that. Sam has legally trademarked so get this or any form of that so they find out the murder rep- murder weapon murder weapon was a hook surprise surprise mr hookman and all murders took place at 9 mile road which is where the frat guy was killed oh my god that's so weird when i click uh 9 mile road in my notes cuz it underlined it it takes me to maps and it takes me to somewhere in florida <laughs> Which is weird because this episode's in Iowa, even though, like, I don't know if Nine Mile Road was like a real part of the episode, like a real aspect of the episode, but I just thought that was really weird that it just took me there. I was not expecting that. I think it was in like Hylia or something like that. I've never been there. So at the end of the scene, while they're like piecing things together, Dean says, job, Dr. Bankman. And I forgot how often like they would just throw around pop culture references in like this format, like how it's literally just like calling each other by like the name of something. Also a side note, I had to Google Bankman when he said it and found, cause I didn't, I'm not super familiar with Ghostbusters. Like I know general ideas of it. I know certain things. I have probably seen it before, but I had to Google it to to see who he was. And in that Google search, I ended up finding an article uh, claiming that he is a sexual predator. And I just feel the need to mention that. (laughs) Like the whole article is literally talking about how he, he brings like syringes with tranquilizers in them on dates. And he's like very predatory in the movie. And like, When I first Googled it, everyone's like, oh, I love Dr. Vankman. Like, it's like he seems like a lovable character. But, uh, wait, in Stranger Things, when they dressed up as the Ghostbusters characters, didn't they, didn't Mike and Lucas have a whole argument over who's Vankman? Yeah, because they were like, there can't be two Vankmans. That's so fucking weird that I didn't even like catch that until just now. Which I only caught because I glanced over at my Stranger Things cup and it just dawned on me for a minute. I mean, I know they're kids, but the fact that they were fighting over being Vankman after I just read that, that just shook me. Um, So anyway, fuck Vankman, even though I don't know who that is. And, but obviously, like, Dean's not referring to that, like when he says that about Sam, it, it's about being like smart or whatever, <laughs> but I just thought I'd share that little, little tidbit about the article that I saw. Actually, the article title, it's on cracked.com. The article was posted like two years ago, but it the article title is, uh, Vankman from Ghostbusters was probably a sexual predator. The uh part wasn't me, that's literally in the title. But anyways, um, not really my area of expertise considering I don't know Anything about Ghostbusters. So the Reverend Dad drives Lori to her sorority house, and honestly, me, because I also cannot drive. I mean, it's never explicitly stated. It, I think this is more of a uh, protective father deal rather than a can't drive deal. So, uh, can't completely relate, but I can kind of relate because I also need rides places. And at first, I thought he was dropping her off at a party because uh, Taylor was talking about tequila shots like literally the same day. I thought it might be the next day, but she was talking about tequila shots. And when he drops her off, he says that he doesn't feel she's safe. And she says, There are 22 girls in there, I'm perfectly safe. And when I thought at first that he was dropping her off at the party, I was like, Sis, reevaluate. But when I realized it it wasn't a party, I was like, Never mind. Like, I kind of like that she feels safe there because of her sorority sisters. I don't know, there's just something about that little little sisterhood thing. I also know next to nothing about sororities too, so... <laughs> but based on her relationship with Taylor, it seems like she's, you know, with good people. And as she's walking through the hallways, there's, like, very obvious hook marks along the walls and stuff. And, like, she seems to notice it at first and and then, like, starts to question it. But then she just leaves it alone, I guess? I don't know, I would have said something. It, it just, it's too much of a coincidence. It's not like just a random scratch on the wall. Like literally like you could see it's literally going along like the whole wall and she stops and looks in on like, cause it stops right before like a doorway and she stops and looks in on the girl studying who by the way has like a giant Avril Lavigne poster and we stand pop princess, the pop princess of the early two thousands AKA Melissa. And then she like, she seems to be like kind of relieved when she sees like the girl in there after like the hook stops, but it continues on immediately after her, door so it's not like it just stopped there and like she's like oh maybe she just hit it with something i don't know (laughs) it just seems like after what she just went through like that that would be a little bit more of a concern but i don't really know how she would go about it anyway you know what is she gonna do like ask the girl like hey where'd you get this mark on out on the outside of your wall (laughs) and then she gets her dorm and goes to like the bathroom whatever but she goes to put the light on, but she's sees that Taylor's sleeping, so she leaves it off. As she walks in, we get like a shot of her door, and it's, I think it's really cute like the little the little sign on the on the door with uh their names on it and like little post-its and like it made me really sad knowing like what's about to happen because like I don't know I see people that I know like go away to college and like they get so excited writing their and their roommate's name on like the door and like I know that's like a really fun experience and the fact that we well at least I knew because I'd seen this, knowing that Taylor's literally about to fucking die, it kinda was fucked up like seeing like oh cute Taylor and Lori. So then the boys are checking out Nine Mile Road. While her friend's about to get butchered. Nice. And this is where they introduce the rock salt bullets. I love seeing like the introduction of things that you just like come to know as like second nature in the show. Like they don't take the time to explain anything anymore. And I like watching it now. Like watching this back, it's funny how they have to explain certain things that are just like staples in the show now. Like literally hands him the rock salt bullets and Sam goes... Sam says salt being a spirit deterrent. And it's so funny because they have to like explain everything to the audience in like every episode. And nowadays we just know, but they do it so like conversationally here. He says it won't kill him, but it'll slow him down. It it was apparently something that, that Dean and John like worked out on their own or whatever while Sam was away. And so, and then Dean says, you don't have to be a college graduate to be a genius. Love that. <laughs> and I like that. We get to see that like, Dean is a genius, even though they always, like, downplay him as, like, the dumb one at first, because, like, Sam's, like, the college boy or whatever, but Dean's just as smart, just in different ways. So then they hear noises in the woods, and they almost shoot the sheriff, but not the deputy, and then Lori goes to bed with the hook man behind her door. She gets, she comes out of the bathroom and lays down in her bed, and they zoom in behind the door, which, knowing that he was there, I was able to see, like, his like, dusty-ass clothes, like, behind the door before they zoomed in. But, you know, couldn't be me. (laughs) Like, I am so paranoid. I am always checking my shit before I go to bed. Like, I check the closet. (laughs) I check the, I check for, like, paranoid spooky reasons, but I also check because, like, I've probably mentioned before, I I have a thing with like <laughs> bugs and lizards and shit. And like I've had some shit happen. And so sometimes when I'm going to bed I'm like I like look over, I'm like, what's that in the corner? And like I have to investigate for a minute. And then I go to bed. God, speaking of which, I am thoroughly dreading this next episode. <laughs> the next episode is bugs. And when I say I'm dreading it, I mean I'm highly considering just not even doing it. Cause it involves me sitting there analyzing this episode that I don't even want to watch like I hate it I think I've only seen it at least once and maybe twice but every time I've re-watched this show I've always always skipped it even when I was watching on the DVD I would because I would always click play all on the DVDs and with this disc I would have to do it like one episode at a time because I didn't want this to I didn't want it to play it's like the last episode on the disc and I don't want to watch it. <laughs> and then I have to analyze it. And then I have to sit here and talk about it. I just fucking hate the episode. And then you guys have to sit there and listen to me talk about bugs the whole time. For the most part, I'm going to try to stay away from the bugs. And, and maybe try to focus more on like the lore of it all. Because I remember there being a lot of... Reasons why the bugs were doing stuff like it's not like the bugs are the supernatural beings themselves doesn't it have to do with like some kind of spirit thing? You, you can clock me on this. Actually, I'll clock me on this next episode when I get to it. If I'm wrong, but I could have sworn there was something to do with like a like Native American like burial grounds because I remember there being like a whole new town being built and they I think they built it on something a little poltergeist action. <laughs> so yeah, then then Lori wakes up to the blood on the floor the puddle dripping from her roommate and poor Taylor like she probably didn't even have a chance to scream like she was sleeping but her eyes are open so you know she like felt it and like woke up and stuff but this was the part that was in like the scary story that I heard she said that she came in and then uh, she didn't check bo- she didn't turn on the light and she and she left it there she left it off and then she went to bed and woke up to that in the story that was told to me I think the roommate was already dead and so when she didn't turn on the light she was avoiding she didn't she didn't see her but she was already dead I don't know (laughs) but uh clearly that was not the case here because when she came in Taylor like rolled over or whatever so she was alive and everything and also she would have seen that on the wall which by the way it said on the wall aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light also he carves the symbol too at the bottom and it's like is he trying to be like found out you know, it's like in home alone. It's like, it's like, it's our calling card with the wet bandits, but like using the calling card also puts people on your tail. Does it not? <laughs> like when they finally arrest them at the end of home alone, they're like, yeah, thanks to your uh, stupid wet bandit thing. Like now we know every house you've hit in the neighborhood. <laughs> and thanks to this, someone could clearly research that symbol and be like, oh, yo, is this guy, even though like, you know, that wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Sam and Dean did it though. They did that, sweetie. So that same morning, Sam and Dean are just getting out of custody. <laughs> and uh, and Dean tells him that he, he told the sheriff that it was just a hazing. And he's like, dude, I'm Matlock. And uh, pop culture king Dean. And Sam's like, oh, he bought it? How did he buy it? And he's like, oh, well, you look like a dumbass pledge. <laughs> if they had normal lives, like, quote unquote normal, like the classic, like, Like they grow up and go off to college, like that type of thing. I think Sam would still be like doing what he was doing and like being the little straight A boy, which they talk about in later in the episode, like not a party guy. But I feel like Dean, if it was like part of like the family plan or whatever, like, you know, when like parents just send their kids to college, even though they are not college kids. I don't know how to explain that, but he, I feel like he would be the type to join a frat, (laughs) especially since he gets so Jazzed up about the fucking frat party they go to, (laughs) but they leave without the guns, which had the rock salt bullets in them. So I don't really know how they get that back, because they literally walk out without them. And I know that the police must have taken them, but as they're leaving, the cops run out after them, and then they follow them to the scene, which they pull up to to see poor Lori. Which of course, as they're pulling up, Sam and Lori make eyes again, and the Reverend's like begging to take her home, which they let him do. But she needs to be able to, like, come down for questioning and stuff. But she's, like, for sure a suspect at this point. Like, there should there shouldn't, I know she didn't do it and, like, I feel bad for her. But there shouldn't be any other suspects because she literally was at both scenes alone with the victims. So Sam and Dean go around back to investigate and they literally like hop up up like the side part like by the grass like they literally like hop into the grass and then uh up to the building and stuff and i don't like how are how are there no cops on the other side of the building like how were they able to sneak in through the back and then into the window and then somehow into her dorm i don't know it just doesn't seem very secure especially for a murder crime scene it doesn't seem very closed off especially for such a gruesome murder you think you wouldn't want anybody in there i don't know and on their way up they're they're talking about it and they're confused about like the location of this incident (laughs) but it's never that simple there's always a missing puzzle piece in every episode otherwise it wouldn't be that interesting like if they just like knew from the get-go this is what it'd be a five minute episode oh my god and then dean looks over and he's like dude sorority girls think we'll see a naked pillow fight (laughs) but the change in tone from like serious hunter dean to like childish childish dean is just so great it's so iconic and then he goes just right back like to normal and then like pushes sam up and like gets in there with like a serious face on the shots of sam climbing the building is parkour (laughs) and then he just like slides through the window so slick and dean's like oh sorry (laughs) stealthy like a ninja is dean steve harrington from stranger things you know what (laughs) I'm not opposed to this. There's a poster in like in their room when they enter it, which no one's watching the crime scene. Like they watch like a, a cop leave, but like no one's standing guard on like this bloody gruesome fucking murder scene. But there's a poster in their room that says like Gob. And I thought it was Job from Arrested Development for a second. And I was like, no, that looks like a band poster. And I'm probably going to get clocked for that because that's probably someone like popular that I'm supposed to know. And like they, they look... Disturbed at the scene, but they also like don't seem too surprised with like the message and like the w- the way everything was done. They're like, "Oh, it's classic Hookman. It's straight out of the legend." And then uh, Dean says that it's definitely a spirit, and he like taps his nose real quick. He says, and then Sam I think says he's never smelled ozone so strong before. What's I should have googled this. What is ozone? Is that like how when they smell the sulfur, and they know that it's like a demon or spirit is that the same thing i'm gonna assume it is the samulet is so prominent in every scene like it always catches my eye like it just stands out on his chest because he's always wearing like plain shirts and it just pops out and i feel like it, at the time watching it it wasn't it didn't draw my eye as much or anyone's probably really but re-watching and i'm like it's the samulet so every scene, I'm like, oh my God, there it is. Oh my God, there it is. <laughs> as you can tell by every episode, I have to go on about it for a couple minutes. <laughs> so the symbol on the wall is the same as the one on the hook. So they know that it is the the preacher guy, Jacob Carnes, and they're like, oh, we finna salt and burn the body. But then they find out it's an unmarked grave and it's like, wow, how fucking convenient is that? <laughs> how convenient is that? Wow, how convenient is fucking that? So now they know for sure that it's him doing it, but they don't know where or why it's happening or where it's going to happen. Like they're confirmed on the who, but the what, where, and why is a little... (laughs) Dean thinks that Lori has got to do with it, but he sounds more like accusatory than anything. Like he sounds like she did something. Oh, and then we get to the college party where Dean's just so fucking excited, so razzle dazzled at this shit. He's he's here for it. Or I feel like if Dean didn't go off to college and Sam did, Dean would go visit Sam on, like, weekends and be like, hey, brother, and then just, like, hit up all the college parties. <laughs> like, without Sam, though. And then Sam says, this wasn't really my college experience, and love that mood. Dean calls him a geek, and we love the brotherly banter. So Sam, his little his little research. And found out that in the 1930s and the 1960s, people of religion who openly preached against immorality were convicted of murders that they didn't commit. And they claim they all claim it was like some invisible man, the invisible madman. Man. Uh, and Sam said, get this, and I fucking gasped. I was like, oh, he said it. <laughs> Killings carried out, get this with a sharp instrument. But they think the Reverend is summoning the spirit to protect his daughter. Because all those other people were protecting the people of the town from immorality, and he seems to be wanting to protect his daughter from it. But then they also talk about how a poltergeist could haunt a person instead of a place. So if the spirit were to like latch itself onto the reverend, it would like feed off of his oppressed emotions and shit, and he could be like completely unaware of it. So they're willing to believe that like if it's tied to the reverend, that he might not know what he's doing. But when he, but when Dean thinks that Lori did he's like, this fucking bitch. <laughs> but regardless, we know it ain't him. We know it's not the Reverend. We've been here. <laughs> so Sam goes to go make sure Lori's okay. And Dean, but Dean wants to stay and party so bad. <laughs> but he's gonna go find the grave, the unmarked grave. And then he finds it because it had the symbol on it. I When I think unmarked grave, I think of like a blank grave. I don't think of just nameless. I get that it was a nameless grave, but an unmarked grave makes it seem like there's no indication as to like who's buried. But like, I feel like you found the symbol pretty easily. I don't know. So Sam shows up at Lori's, and I had the subtitles on at that point, and I never knew that like what they were arguing about was like audible to us. You know, like I always. I don't think I ever really heard what they were saying word for word, like, through the window. Like, I knew what the argument was about because they talk about it. She tells Sam about it and everything. But you could literally hear while they're arguing that she, um, the reverend says he's in love and that she's in an unhappy relationship and is gonna get a divorce. So, like, you could, like, get a feel of, like, what's going on in there because she's like, oh, Jesus Christ, Dad. And then Sam just looks away from the window like, oop. None of my business. I want one of them to say, and I, oop, in the new season. I just want it. I don't know who, but I want one of them to say it. Maybe Castiel. So then Dean's digging the grave. And let's be real, he looks good. It's like the movie Holes. <laughs> dig it on, uh, uh, Dig it. And Dean says, next time I get to watch the cute girl's house. But he looks like a pretty type of rugged. You know what I mean? Either way, Lori goes out to Sam once they're done fighting. But like, look, He is a strange man that you just met. And like, I know he's like a sweetie, but girl, you got to be a little more cautious here because, especially since he's literally outside our house at this hour- like it's clearly late at night. He says he was worried, which is which is cute. Like we know Sam, I know he's not a danger, but this girl doesn't. If I saw a man that I just met outside my house. And she says it's cool. I already called the cops. And like I know she's joking, but at least she 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 sees it too. She sees the oddness of it. And then she also tells him to run away from her because he's so sweet and like people keep dying around her cuz she's cursed or whatever. And, like, literally, this is foreshadowing Sam's entire future with women. I mean, like, he says, I think I know how you feel, because he's obviously referring to Jess. But, like, oh, buddy, you got a big storm coming. Like, he thinks he gets it now, but he really, really has it coming. I actually, it reminds me of that post I just saw recently come up again, where it says someone goes, uh, it was on Tumblr, I think, kind of want to get laid, kind of want to die, and someone goes just sleep with Sam Winchester. Fuck. <laughs> also, Side note, every time I write Dean in my notes in my phone, like nine out of 10 times it autocorrects to dead. So a lot of the time, like a lot in this note specifically just says dead instead of Dean. So it says dead is burning the bones. (laughs) But like, why? Why does autocorrect think that I meant dead? Don't answer that. When he he first, uh, because when he's digging, when he first like breaks through the box, he says, hello preacher. And then when he burns him, like, while he's burning him, he says goodbye, preacher. A little parallel. Uh, Lori says that no one will talk to her, and her dad tells her to just pray, because, you know, thoughts and prayers are how you get things done. But it's kind of coming out that, like, she's actually the judgy preacher girl, that it's not him. Like, I, like, I like you could see Sam connecting the dots, too, like, in his eyes, because the way she starts talking about, like, immorality and stuff, like, when she starts talking about her dad, and she... Gets very, like, righteous about it. And, like, you kind of see him be like, oh. <laughs> but I don't think he comes to the conclusion until, like, it actually, like, is confirmed. Which is when uh, the hookman stabs the dad. Like, immediately after she kisses Sam and, like, gives him, like, an awkward kind of hug. But then the dad's like, oh, come inside. Like, he didn't even say it, like, mean. Like, I feel like he could have been like, listen, ho. <laughs> Not that she's a hoe, Not that there's anything wrong with being a hoe, But I feel like he they could have played it that way where he's like the mean reverend, but he's just like, come inside. Like he like just wants to talk it out or whatever. Cause he knows she's pissed that he's having an affair with a married woman. And like, I can't say I wouldn't be pissed. I get where he's coming from. Cause he talks about how the woman is supposedly in like an unhappy marriage and stuff. But like, I also would be pissed as the daughter if my dad did that. And like, I knew the kids and everything, like I'd be really fucking weirded out. But, uh, so then, like, she tells him to go away or whatever, and the hookman comes out and stabs the dad. So I don't think Sam realized the extent... Like, I don't think all the the dots were connected until that happened, and then he's like, oh, shit, it is it is Lori. <laughs> so then he goes up there with the rock salt gun and saves the dad. I think he just ends up in the hospital, which is strange because there is... On the IMDb page, it says, um, under, uh trivia it says body count three but i would assume body count means like dead body so but i thought that he lived and the only bodies i could think of are rich and taylor but does he count and but also did he die at the end i don't know i don't think he died so then sam's at the hospital answering questions for the sheriff while Lori's like in the hospital room with her dad and the sheriff she, she seems this sheriff seems pretty chill Like, compared to other, like, authority figures and cops and stuff that deal with Sam and Dean in other episodes, like, a lot of them end up, like, kind of douchey because they either did something wrong or because Sam and Dean are causing a disturbance in their town. (laughs) Regardless, cops don't really like Sam and Dean, and this one doesn't seem to like them, but he seems, like, kind of generous with them in a way. And then we hear Dean come in and try to get to Sam from, like, the other side of the hospital uh, but there's like security there, and he's like, "That's my brother," and he just yells, "Hey, brother!" Which honestly, it's it's Buster Bluth. We were just talking about Arrested Development. Hey, brother! Hey, brother! Now Sam and Dean are confused because he torched the body, and they're like, "The fuck!" And but they also know that it's latching itself onto Lori and not the Reverend because he wouldn't just have himself killed especially since he doesn't seem to really see the quote-unquote immorality of like his relationship with this woman. She's the one that has a problem with it and not him. He seems to be pretty understanding about it, but like she's the one with the issue. So they know that it's latching onto Lori and because she's like conflicted because she was raised to believe that you get punished for doing something wrong. And like you could tell she's so conflicted because like she loves these people, obviously, But like she still has this part of her that like this judgmental, like religious aspect of her. But I feel like this could really open up like a conversation on like the fucked up aspects of religion. Like I personally respect, you know, different religions and people in religions, people who believe in certain religions and people who who don't believe in any religion. I feel like all of them are valid in their own ways. There obviously are certain extremes in a lot of different religions that are harmful to other people and that's the issue I have with religion regardless of my views (laughs) but overall I respect like people's need for religion and their belief in religion but I feel like this really shows like how fucked up certain things could be like she's This girl, we see a little bit more of it in a minute. Like, how she feels kind of, like, brainwashed in a way. Like, again, this is, like, the extreme side of religion. Like, there are different sides to it, I feel. I think I'll get get into it more when we get to that part where she seems very, very conflicted. But either way, um, so there was no hook to burn in the casket that Dean dug up. So it was the murder weapon, but it was also, like, a part of him, essentially, because, you know, he had no fucking hand. Uh, and it was, like, then, like, a source of power and how he's, like, staying alive and stuff. So, so then he goes, he's like, we find the hook. And they're both like, we find the hook, man. And, like, I live for the corny Scooby-Doo shit. Like, the fact that they had to say it at the same time and they, like, share this look that's just like, <gasps> We cracked the case. (laughs) Hey, gang. So if we find the hook, we stop the hook, man. So they hit the books again, you know, all the paperwork, the research. Um, And supposedly the hook was to stay at the church, according to the penitentiary logs. And then they find the hook in, they look through the church's papers and find the hook in a donation log. But it was reforged into something else. They're like, we gotta burn anything silver. I was going through the the IMDb like trivia and like goofs pages and stuff. So there was a factual error. According to, that, that's not correct. <laughs> according to the Encyclopedia, of, uh, apparently silver doesn't burn. So according to the show's lore, burning Lori's locket would have the same effect as reforging the silver hook, which is like how it got melted into her necklace. So, um, it being burn in the fire would only melt it down again. So it doesn't make sense. And I did not even, I never questioned that. That's, that's, (laughs) it feels like a common thing to know that silver doesn't burn, but I really, I never even thought about that when I watched this. So they essentially just reforged it again. Maybe Hookman will be back in the new season. (laughs) Honestly though. So Sam takes the house and Dean takes the church to search for anything silver. And I don't know how, but when I was watching it, I just like magically remembered the line uh, stay out of her underwear drawer. But like, it just came to me. Like, as I was like watching it, like he gave no indication he was about to say something weird. He was just like, Hey Sam. And my mind went, stay out of her underwear drawer. (laughs) But I don't know how that just, it just, it came, it just, these things just come to me sometimes. So while they're burning slash reforging all of the silver, uh, that they could find They hear someone upstairs in the church and Sam goes up and it's Lori praying. And this is where like, it's just, it's so sad. Like the state she's in, she's crying and she just seems so like, again, I'm not, I'm only going to say this another time. This isn't about all religions and it's not about all parts of religions, but there are some toxic areas of religions that can tend to brainwash people, especially when they're raised in it from a young age to thinking certain things like this. And she, even though her father doesn't seem as brainwashed by it because of his, the nature of his relationship, but like clearly that's how she was raised because she really thinks that all of this is her fault. And like, yeah, it's like attached to her or whatever, but she's not doing it purposely. And like, she's, sitting there praying for forgiveness because because she she thinks that like she did this herself it's just really sad because she she annoyed me a little at first but now I just like really feel for her because it's just the way she was raised and drilled this way like so many other people in like within like churches and sometimes like when you hear like the really like hateful things coming out of the mouths of certain religious groups I can't believe this <laughs> this episode's really taking a turn here. But like when you hear this, the hateful things that come out, like, I mean, it makes me really mad. A lot of the things that people say, like the ignorant things, but when you like get down to it and really think about it, like it's so fucked up that like they were raised in like this fearful way to like be afraid that people are going to quote unquote sin in these ways that aren't really sins, but like that they feel like they need to save people. And I learned this recently because I I fell down like a hole of like video, like religious videos online, uh, where people were just saying like awful things, but they also had like this, like look in their eyes that was just very, like, they felt like it felt like they were trapped in this. Like they just don't know any better. And like, for some people they know better, but some people they just don't know any better. And I feel that with this because like, she clearly had this like internal conflict within her that where she... Loves these people. I mean, I don't think she loved Rich, but um, who could? But she loved Taylor, but, like, she obviously felt like she had a certain lifestyle that she wasn't, like, a fan of. And, like, she didn't, like, shun her or anything. She was still one of her close friends, but that's what was so, like, conflicting for her. But that's part of her, like, judging her. The fact that she's like, oh, she's she's a sinner. And then also with her dad, she loves her dad, obviously, but like internally she felt so conflicted she's like but we're not supposed to be this like we're not supposed to be immoral like that like you're literally seeing a married woman and marriage is like very churchy <laughs> well, I don't know um and she thinks that like now she now she thinks because I think at first she was like oh they're being punished but now she thinks that she that they didn't deserve it that she deserves to be punished and that's so fucking sad. She, she says something about like, she read about avenging angels and she's like, it's, it should come for me now. Like I should be punished. Um, and then the hookman appears and it's either because they're, no, it's not because they're not burning his silver yet. The silver was forged into her necklace. So he shows up when she starts thinking about herself that way. Does that mean he would have come out and killed her? 'Cause that's who he was after at that at that moment. So she thinks she did something wrong and now the preacher's like, Oh bitch, you did, I guess. <laughs> so so even though the hookman was letting her do like the judging, pinpointing who to kill, now he's ready to just turn on her the minute she's like, Oh, I'm fucked up. <laughs> so Sam and her are running and they like slam the door on the hookman and he gets like a little here's Johnny moment with the door. <laughs> and then we see his hook in the light and like his hook is just exquisite and like while they're running and stuff dean comes out and shoots the hook man with the rock salt and they're like bitch we missed something and conveniently after that run and everything her necklace is completely out of her shirt so like they see it they find out it's a church heirloom that her dad gave her and they're like bitch we gotta burn it it's silver we gotta go we gotta burn it quotes around burn Uh, that's all I'm going to think of now when I watch this, or if there's any other episode where they burn silver, supposedly that's going to come back to haunt me. Oh, but the whole like hook on the wall thing was just like nails on a chalkboard the whole fucking episode, especially the beginning when he was on the car and the, and the, the road sign fucked up. (laughs) So then Dean, uh, takes the necklace and he burns it while the hook man still tries to kill them and stuff. And right like before their eyes, the Hookman's being like charred, and that's like slightly disturbing. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like the opening of Stranger Things three. No spoilers, because that's fairly new. So after uh, Homeboy is charred, they tell the sheriff that um, they fought off the Hookman and then he ran, and they don't know where he is now. And the sheriff doesn't seem to really believe them, but he's like he's he's like listen you and your brother. And then Dean's like, oh, don't worry. We're leaving town. Like, fuck off. off. Like we're leaving. And honestly, what a relief to the sheriff. So Sam's like in the ambulance, like with like a bandage on him and stuff. And I realized he's wearing a polo shirt over a long sleeve shirt. (laughs) Like I, sometimes I forget the fashion choices of this early 2000 era. And like, I know that Sam and Dean layer, they're known for like their ogre layers, but This is just a whole other thing. (laughs) Lori says she still doesn't know what happened, which, you know, mood. But uh, her and Sam get, like, a nice goodbye. She thanks him. She's, like, holding his hand. And I feel like I mentioned in another episode that Dean always gets, like, the goodbyes from, like, the ladies. (laughs) But uh, this one, it's it's Sam, and Dean's watching from the rearview mirror, and he looks so interested. He looks not... Like, he looks kind of disappointed that they didn't kiss. And, like, then... Sam gets in the car and like I'm like oh like I'm ready for him to be like oh you didn't fucking kiss her and he goes we could stay and like I literally almost started crying because like he like we all know he wants to find the dad and he wants to hunt he doesn't want to like do anything else and like the fact that he's willing to literally like stay in a town so that Sam could like hang out with this girl a little longer is just but yeah then we get the the Impala ending. And I love them. It's, it's so nostalgic. Like I kind of want the show to end with them driving off in baby, but I don't think that's going to happen. I honestly kind of think they're going to die because I don't see any other way out of the, out of not like the plot of it. Cause you know, no spoilers, but I don't see any other way out of the show, like the life that they live, you know, but that's just me. I feel like they're, they might die. <laughs> again. So, that's the episode. There's so there were so many tangents to go on with that one, but uh uh IMDb was a little not much for me, you know. Uh the girl who played Lori was played by Jane McGregor and she looks so familiar and again, it's probably from this. But I I thought it was kind of funny she was in The Poltergeist. I forget who she played, but she was in The Poltergeist and They mentioned a poltergeist in this, so I was like, that's kind of funny. The guy who played Rich, uh, his name is Brian Scala, and he played, literally he played, his character name on Gilmore Girls was Dean's Friend. And Dean is uh, Sam. It's Jared Padalecki. So I thought that was interesting. And this took place like right after that, or well, right after his like run on the show. You wouldn't know this from editing, but I have taken several pee breaks during this episode. Anthony J. Sacco or Sacho, I am unsure. It says actor uncredited at the bottom of the IMDb page for the cast, but he his profile picture is, I guess, him on The Walking Dead as a zombie but he supposedly did stunts for supernatural from 2005 to 2013 and he did stunts on charmed from 1998 to 2008 which i think is the whole run of the show and he plays like oh yeah it says he plays a walker which i guess is a zombie in the walking dead for seven years oh and he was in fantastic beasts he's in like a lot of things but he's literally known for, like, his stunts and stuff. And uh, Godzilla in... Godzilla 2000? I don't know. In 1999. Um, but yeah, there wasn't much else to tell. I think uh, Dan Butler, who played Reverend Sorensen, was in, like, a few things, but none that I was super familiar with. He was in a lot of things, actually, but none that I was familiar with. <laughs> At least mostly. He was in a couple things, but I didn't recognize him from anything. Uh, the librarian is credited as cute librarian, which is interesting. Not saying she's not, but, like... the just is very specific for they didn't even say anything about her it was just kind of like thanks for the papers (laughs) oh there was also a continuity error where that I think I've noticed before like as a child watching it and I probably like rewound it and pointed it out to people but it just seems like I feel like I remember this um Not that I did that a lot. Um, But when Sam's like painting the purple man, it says he takes the brush with his right hand and then he paints with the right hand. And if the camera switches, he's painting with his left hand and then goes back to his right hand. I don't think that's continuity. Maybe he's just switching his hands. Maybe it's just he's just doing it. I don't know. I don't know if that's continuity, but I feel like I must have noticed that. It seems like something I noticed. It's like literally so unimportant, though. Under the trivia section of the IMDb page, it says that this is one of Kripke's least favorite episodes. Now, there's no like source to back that up, like, there's no citation. So, I don't know where they got this information from. I'm not saying I don't believe it, but I'd like to know why and like where this came from and what context he said it in, and also if he still feels that way because this was also. Like, maybe at the time, it was his least favorite episode. But, like, there's so many episodes to choose from now. Like, that this would... feel like it'd take a lot for it to be a least favorite episode. I didn't think it was bad. I kind of enjoyed it. And kind of... I fucking love the show. I don't know what I'm saying. But I, I liked the episode. I feel like I got a weird amount of religion out of it than others would. I feel like I kind of looked real deep into that. Without looking deep into it, I got a lot more out of it than I... I used to. But apparently it was originally supposed to air after the second episode Wendigo but Kripke thought that the episode like wasn't scary enough and so he let David Jackson, the director, have more time to like build more scares and they bumped it down the schedule a little bit, which is interesting because like I'm as like a season that I've like avidly watched over and over again. Like I don't see, I can't see it any other way. So I'm trying to picture it where this episode came before other episodes. That's so weird to me. (laughs) Like just the way the story fits into each other. If this came before when, if this came after Wendigo, we wouldn't know that Sam, dreamt about Jessica's death before she died like certain tidbits about their lives wouldn't have been revealed we wouldn't know that Dean like is sad that that Dean that the Dean that Sam got to leave and stuff you know we wouldn't know these things about them if this had come first so this episode I feel like would hit a little bit different oh also uh the episode was based on two different urban legends the hook killer And the Lover's Lane Killer. There's a whole thing in the trivia about, um, the real town name and, like, the locations and the the frats and the county and the university and everything, but it's very long, so if you're interested in that, uh... You could see that on the IMDb page. Oh, and it says uh, Jared Padalecki and Brian Scala played buddies in Gilmore Girls in 2003. So it was two years before this episode. I wonder if it was at uh, Dean's bachelor party. Because I feel like that's when we see more of Dean's friends. So that that would make sense, I think, in 2003. Yes, because I think he left in 2005 like or 4. But anyways, um, we are not team Dean on this show. And I don't mean Dean Winchester. I mean Dean Forrester. We are not Team Dean, you guys. Who's we? I think that's all the facts I had up here today. No quiz this time. Last week's quiz was fun, but I think I'll, I'll try to space him out a little bit. Immediately after I took the quiz where I got, I think I got Ruby, I got a spam email in my email that it was from like the sender was Ruby but it was a spam email about, like, some adult website. But I just thought it was funny. I got literally, like, two of those back-to-back right after I got Ruby as my who are you in Supernatural or whatever. But anyways, as usual, if you have anything to add to this discussion, to add to the next discussion, previous ones, my email is sogetthispod at aol.com and you can tweet me at sogetthispod on Twitter. As always, thank you for listening and... I will talk to you guys next time. And I'm sorry about all the religion talk. That might have made people uncomfortable, but, you know, you know what? I'm not that sorry. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Bye, guys. What the...